Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. As well, if I got everything figured out today with my new board set up, it's always fun to play around with some of this stuff if if you make some progress. But I think we, we got it worked out. So let me get the volume down. We're on Telegram here. And yeah, that's my radio making noise in the background. So I got to get that. I got to get that stopped. There we go. That should be okay now. I think. <laughs> Got my volume down. So we are in 1 Kings 3 and 4, Proverbs 1. Jumping into Proverbs today, that's always fun. John 19, so I'm guessing the Proverbs is because we're going to be moving into the life of Solomon. And for anybody anybody joining us, perhaps, we are reading the Bible chronologically. So following the lives of these kings and different prophets and uh, interesting people as they progress. So we can try and get the timeline right in our minds. Well, here's a question. How does a leopard change its spots? <laughs> By getting up and moving to another spot. I know, it's kind of a... Yeah, that was rather obvious. Hmm. I'm against picketing, but I don't know how to show it. Mike, Mitch Hedge, Hedgeberg, quote of the day. <laughs> okay, that's almost like a bad dad joke, really. World War II, the, the, the Dice Massacre, or the Dice Massacre. This was in 1942, under the orders of Adolf Hitler, the village of the Dice, a protectorate of Bohemia. And Moravia, now in the Czech Republic, is destroyed. The massacre was in retaliation for the assassination of the Reich protector Reinhard Hendrik in the late spring of 1942. The Nazis executed 173 men in the village over the age of 15, plus several others that were already under arrest, and 11 others that were not in the village. Hmm. 88 of the 105 children were sent to concentration camps where they died. Seven children were considered radically suitable for the Germanization and headed to the SS. Wow. 60 of the 184 women sent to concentration camps died there. Animals in the village were slaughtered. The village was burned and destroyed. Well, that's a really depressing bit of news for this morning. Sorry about that. But it's important we remember our history. Hmm. Let's see anything else. Benjamin Franklin flies a kite. June 10th, 1752. Reportedly on this day is when he flew a kite, proving that lightning is from electricity. According to Franklin's description of the experiment, a silk kite with a string that led to a key that was flown during the early stages of the storm. The kite had a separate string that was attached to the kite string near the kite. The kite flyer was to stand under a shelter so that he and the silk string stayed dry, protecting them from the electric charge. It is unlikely that the kite was struck by lightning. 
as this would have probably seriously injured Franklin, but simply gathered electricity from the storm, as Franklin predicted it would. This and his lightning rod experiment helped prove that lightning was a form of electricity. And it's bizarre to even think that they would have to get where we had to prove that. We live in such an age of electricity. It's so second nature to us. It would seem like, well, yeah, of course it is. But they needed to prove it, so they did. Salem Witch Trials, June 10th, 1692. Bridget Bishop is hanged for witchcraft, making her the first of 20 people executed in 1692 for witchcraft in Salem, Massachusetts. She was accused of bewitching five young women who claimed the shape of Bishop would pinch, choke, and bite them. She also was accused of playing shuffleboard and dressing more artistically than women of the village by using colored lace. Both signs of consorting with the devil. So, ladies, colored lace and shuffleboard is a no-no. Do not do that or people are going to think that you're (laughs) demon-possessed. All right? That should do it for this morning. Let's see if if I can pull up. I really should print these out, but I do have them on my phone. So, I've got to um, go down and pull them up. Here we go. See what we have on on board for today. Hmm. Five fourths of people admit that they are bad with fractions. <laughs> Five. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that one. Okay, I should have done that one with more volume. Come on. I used to have a job at a calendar factory. Oh, you guys know this one. But I got sacked for taking a couple of days off. <laughs> right, leap year. All right. Uh, we'll continue with the bad dad jokes as, as we move on. We are now going to jump over into the reading. So please find a Bible, open it up. Be great if you have study Bibles, get some highlighters, some markers, and win. The Lord shows you something, you put a little notation or at least another scripture verse reference next to the verse. Thank you, Father, for this morning. We bless you and and are just joyful that we can come into your presence every single day. We have this uh, avenue, this way that we can stay communicated, uh, which is so important, Father, especially for those that cannot leave the house, those that would love to have the opportunity to go to a Bible study or church but cannot for a um, many different reasons, health or distance or what have you. So we just ask you to use this time as we gather together around your word. In Jesus' name, amen. First Kings chapter 3 now. We're moving into the life of Solomon. We just saw the death of David yesterday. Now he's been given the throne by David. Then Solomon formed a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter, and brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were still sacrificing on the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. Now Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, 
That was the, the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night, and God said, Ask what you wish me to give you. Solomon said, You have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father, according as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart towards you. And you have reserved for him this great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or to come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people, which you have chosen, a great people who are too many and too to be numbered or counted. So, so give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? It was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked the king. God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself long life, nor have you asked riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself discernment and understanding to understand justice. Behold, I have done according to your words. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart so that there has been no one like you before you, nor shall one like you arise after you. Verse 13. I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there will not be any among the kings like you in all your days. If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and commandments, as your father David walked, then I will prolong your days. Then Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and offered burnt offerings and made peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. Verse 16. Then two women, who were harlots, came to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, O oh my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. It happened on the third day after I gave birth that this woman also gave birth to a child, and we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, only the two of us in the house. The woman's son died in the night because she lay on it. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from beside me while your maid servant slept and laid him on her bosom, and she laid her dead son in my bosom. When I rose in the morning to nurse my son, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him carefully in the morning, behold, he was not my son whom I had borne. Then the other woman said, No, for the living one is my son, and the dead one is your son. But the first woman said, No, for the dead one is your son, and the living one is my son. And they spoke before the king. And the king said, The one says, This is my son who is living, and your son is dead. And the other says, No, for your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. The king said, Give me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the child in two and give half to one and half to the other. And the woman whose child was the living one spoke to the king, for she was deeply stirred over her son and said, O oh my Lord, give her the living child, but by no means kill him. But the other said, He shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. 
The king said, Give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is his mother. When all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had handed down, they feared the king, and they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Chapter 4. Now King Solomon was king over all Israel. These were his officials. Azariah, the son of Zadok, was his priest. Elareph and Ahijah, the sons of Shisha, were secretaries. Jehoshaphat, the son of Eliud, was the recorder. And Benaniah, the son of Jehodiah, was over the army. And Zadok and Abiathar were priests. And Azariah, the son of Nathan, was over the deputies. And Zabud, the son of Nathan, a priest, was the king's friend. And Ahishar was over the household. And Adoniram, the son of Abda, was over the men subject to forced labor. Solomon had 12 deputies over all Israel, who provided for the king and his household. Each man had to provide for a month in the year. These are the names, Ben-Hur in the hill country of Ephraim, Ben-Decker and Makaz and Shalbim and Beth-Shemesh and Elambeth-Hanan and Beth-Hashed and Arabath. Soko was his in all the land of Hefer. Ben-Abinabab in all his height of Dor, Tephath, the daughter of Solomon, was his wife. Banna, the son of Ahilud, and Teknach, and Megiddo, and all Benshin, which is beside the Zerathan below, Jezreel, from Beth Shen, and Abil Mola, as far as the other side of Jachmim. Ben Gibber and Ramoth Gilead, the towns in Jair, the sons of Manasseh, which are in Gilead, were his. The region of Argob, which is Bashan, 60 great cities with walls and bronze bars were his. Ahinadab, the son of Idu in Mahanaim, Ahizmas in Naphtali, also married Basemath, the daughter of Solomon. Bana, the son of Hashai and Asher and Baaloth, and Jehoshaphat, the son of Parua in Issachar, Shemai the son of Elah in Benjamin, Geber, the son of Uri in the land of Gilead, the country of Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, the king of Bashan, and he was the only deputy who was in the land. Verse 20, Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance, and were eating and drinking and rejoicing. Now Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the river to the land of the Philistines and to the border of Egypt. They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. Solomon's provisions for one day was 30 cores of fine flour and 60 cores of meal, 10 fat oxen, 20 pasture-fed oxen, 100 sheep besides deer, gazelles, roebuck, and fattened fowl. He had dominion over everything west of the river, from the Tifsha even to Gaza, over all the kings of the west of the river, and he had peace on all sides around about him. So Judah and Israel lived in safety 
every man under his vine and his fig tree, from Dan even to Beersheba, all the days of Solomon. Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. These deputies provided for King Solomon and all who came to King Solomon's table. Each in his month, they left nothing lacking. They all brought barley and straw for the horses and swift steeds in the place where it should be, each according to his charge. Now God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment and breadth of mind like the sand that is on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the east, for he was wiser than all men, than Ethan, the Ezrahite, Heman, Karkol, and Darda, the sons of Marol, and his fame was known in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees and from, from the cedars, that is in Lebanon, even to the hyssop that grows on the wall. He spoke also of animals and birds and creeping things and fish. Men came from all peoples to hear the wisdom of Solomon and all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. So God blesses him with his great wisdom, and yet, and this is a conundrum if I can use the word, and it's still a mystery somewhat to me, each king was to write his own copy of the law. He was to sit down and write it, and every day he was supposed to read it. This is what we're told. We are not told that he did this, but it would seem that at least he had a lot of exposure to it through David and certainly knew about it. And what did the law say? Well, number one, they weren't supposed to take wives from foreign people. They were supposed to take their wives from within the tribe of Israel. He, he married Pharaoh's daughter as a political alliance. Okay, so not really a starting off saying I'm trusting fully in God there. And then he's multiplying horses right away, which was another thing that you, they were explicit in the law they weren't supposed to do. And then we're going to see that it continues to multiply wives. And he continues to multiply gold and silver and riches all things that the kings of Israel were not supposed to do. Why? Because they were supposed to fully trust in the Lord, not in the strength of their own might, through their horses or through their gold. And they were not to be multiplying wives because God knew it would ultimately corrupt them because he knew they'd be taking them from different nations, the nations that were not worshipers of Yahweh. So the wife coming from Egypt would not have been a worshiper of Yahweh. So, as much wisdom as he had, he was still human, and he still faltered in the basics of what God is requiring of us to walk with him. So, that tells me that man at his wisest is still very, very flawed, and we're going to see what happens to him at the end of his life. And he really, he destroys Israel at the end. As wise as this man was, he was the one responsible for splitting and destroying Israel as a nation up until 1948. That's pretty heavy. Very strange. And all it shows me is, Lord, <laughs> just help me to walk in the simple things. Yeah, give me wisdom. Yes, I need, but I need the wisdom to stay close to you. 
uh, it would be fun to have all the wisdom about trees and fish and birds and everything else and be that really that smart. But we look what happens to people that are that smart. They tend to be so smart, they think themselves in a, they think themselves into complete stupidity. They they're the ones that say, nah, "I'm so smart. I've decided there is no God. We're all here by a cosmic accident when nothing exploded." And really, we've been sold that lie for so long that we almost aren't shocked by it anymore. But you really have to stop and say, say that again. We're all here because there was nothing and nothing exploded. Well, it's called a singularity. See, it's, it's a total mass of everything, but it's really nothing. And you go, uh-huh. Yeah. That's where we find ourselves now in Proverbs. And this is why I'm glad. And Solomon did write this. <laughs> okay, but... Solomon, you, you're there. You're, I mean, you have so much wisdom, and it. it's true, but you made the most basic of mistakes as he went through his life, which caused him dearly. Some people even think cost him his salvation. I won't go there. I have no idea. But here we go in Proverbs 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to discern the sayings of understanding, to receive instruction in wise behavior, Righteousness, justice, and equity give prudence to the naive, to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. To understand a proverb and a figure, the words of the wise and their riddles. To fear the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol, even whole as those who go down to the pit. We will find all kinds of precious wealth. We will fill our houses with spoil. Throw in your lot with us. We shall all have one purse. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they hasten to shed blood. Indeed, it is useless to spread the baited net in the sight of any bird. Yet they lie in wait for their own blood. They ambush their own lives. So are the ways of everyone whose gain, who gains by violence. It takes away the life of its possessors. Verse 20. Wisdom shouts in the street. She lifts her voice in the square. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. At the entrance of the gates of the city, she utters her sayings. How long, O naive ones, will you love being simple-minded? And scoffers delight themselves in scoffing, and fools hate knowledge. Turn to my reproof. Behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make your words known to you, because I called and you refused. I stretched out my hand, and no one paid attention. And you neglected all my counsel and did not want my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your dread comes, when your dread comes like a storm. And your calamity like a whirlwind. 
when distress and anguish come upon you. Then you will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me, because they hated knowledge. They did not choose the fear of the Lord. They would not accept my counsel. They spurned all my reproof. So they shall eat of the fruit of their own way and be satisfied with their own devices. But the waywardness of the naive will kill them. And the conspiracy of fools will destroy them. But he who listens to me will live securely and will be at ease from the dread of evil. Beautiful psalm. And it is the central, shall we say, the central psalm of the psalms in the one sense is to seek wisdom from the Lord and to seek the Lord will give you wisdom. And to go in the other direction will bring you into foolishness. And it's foolish to try and gain riches and gain the world for yourself. Because what is a profit of man to gain the whole world and yet lose his soul? So this is kind of the core, the core um, proverb that leads us to the wisdom that we find in the New Testament and to find that it is the wise man who seeks after God and is the fool who rejects him. John 19 now. Pilate then took Jesus and scourged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and put a purple robe on him. And they began to come up and say to him, Hail, King of the Jews, and to give him slaps in the face. Pilate came out again and said to him, Behold, I am bringing him out to you so that you may know that I find no guilt in him. Jesus then came out, wearing the crown of thorns and a purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. And when the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify, crucify. Pilate said to him, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. And the Jews answered him, We have a law, and by the law he ought to die, because he made himself out to be the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. And he entered into the praetorium again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You do not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? Jesus answered, You would have no authority over me unless it had been given you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. As a result of this, Pilate made efforts to release him. But the Jews cried out, saying, If you release this man, you are no friend of Caesar's. Everyone who makes himself out to be a king opposes Caesar. Therefore, when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at the place called the pavement in the Hebrew, Gabbatha. Now, it was the day of preparation for Passover, and it was about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. So they cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. Verse 16. So he then handed him over to them to be crucified. They took Jesus, therefore, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of the skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. And they crucified him. And with him, two other men, one on either side, and Jesus in between. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross. It was written, Jesus, the Nazarene, the king of the Jews. Therefore, many of the Jews read the inscription, 
for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Hebrew, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews were saying to Pilate, do not write the king of the Jews. But he said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Wow. So the Pharisees come out and bring out the the most telling truth of who they were and what they were all about when they said, we have no king but Caesar. They had corrupted themselves into a power structure where it was all about control. It was all about having people reverence them, the money, everything that goes along with that. They say that they were servants of Yahweh. They said they were waiting for Messiah, their king. They should have cried out, we have no king but Messiah in whom we await. But to say that they had no king but Caesar was a complete sellout. And Jesus even said the one who delivered him unto Caesar had the greater sin, and that was those Pharisees. Religion is dangerous, and it does dangerous things to people when people feel like they have the authority to play God. And we see the horrible things that happened all through history, and then when the church came into power, and if you made one false claim that salvation was by grace and grace alone, you could be burned for that. I mean, um, Luther really took his life in his own hands when he made when he stood up against the church. And it was God who protected him. So this is the unfortunate state of man, is he tends to rise up to the position of seeking God where he himself places himself in the position of God to play God. And um, this is why the church never had, in the beginning, ever a position of the papacy that was never established by the church. That's something that man came up with. The church was all about disciples of one Lord. We have one king. We have one savior. We're one body. And that is how we're supposed to function. And like Israel, rather than raising up a man to be king over us, we're supposed to follow God himself in the spirit. We're not supposed to raise up men, not even pastors. We're not supposed to raise up men and say, he is in authority over all. In other words, I look to him, and I obey him. We are to obey obey Jesus. We're to obey his words. We are to look to him and let the Holy Spirit guide us in all things. Now, the pastor's job is to feed the sheep, lead the sheep, and to be a servant to the sheep, not to be beating the sheep and driving the sheep. So there is the big difference. All right, Charles Spurgeon. They shall feed and lie down. And none shall make them afraid. Zephaniah 3.13 Yesterday we thought of the afflicted and the poor people whom the Lord left to be a living seed in a dead world. The prophet says such that they shall not work iniquity nor speak lies, so that while they had neither rank nor riches to guard them, they were also quite unable to use those weapons in which the wicked place so much reliance. They could neither defend themselves by sin nor by subtlety. What then? Would they be destroyed 
by no means. They should both feed and rest and be not merely free from danger, but even quiet from fear of evil. Sheep are very feeble creatures, and wolves are terrible enemies. Yet, at this hour, sheep are more numerous than wolves, and the cause of the sheep is always winning, while the cause of the wolves is always declining. One day, flocks of sheep will cover the plains, and not the wolf will be left. The fact is that sheep have a shepherd, and that gives them a provender, a protection, and peace. None, which means not one, whether in human or diabolic form, shall make them afraid. Who shall terrify the Lord's flock when he is near? We lie down in green pastures, for Jesus himself is food and rest for our souls. And that, that can bring tears. I was reading this very moving and so true to think of the truth of how sheep are winning against wolves. Wolves are endangered in many different parts uh, of the world. They're trying to bring them back and protect them, but sheep, no, because they have a shepherd. So yes, we're weak, we are feeble, and the world is vicious, and the world can send its wolves after us, but the promise we have here is that our shepherd's not going to lose us. He has his mind set upon us. We are the desire of his heart, the apple of his eye. And don't let anyone convince you otherwise, and don't lose perspective of that. Don't fall into fear. This is the one thing that the world is really ginning up right now, trying to get people on all sides to fall into fear. They're going to bring a new virus. We know that. They're going to bring something else against the church to cause us to fall into fear. But we have to trust in the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning and for the beautiful words and the Proverbs of Solomon and, and the knowledge that we gain, God, when we realize that it's all about you. It's all about trusting in you and standing fast. Solomon, such a wise and great man, still made mistakes, which only shows us we're all human and we all make mistakes. doesn't matter the level of education or even how good our parents were raising us, we still make mistakes. But we know the answer. We know the way back. To be humble and to seek after you and just cry out to you because you're a shepherd. You're our protector. So we do that, Father. As we pray for more wisdom, we just pray again that you shepherd us and guide us, lead us, that we have righteousness in the paths that, that we need to follow, the decisions we need to make. As we have so many so many different, difficult sometimes choices we have to make and choose. So please, this day, give us anyone that has a specially difficult choice to make. God, this day, reveal the truth to them through your word. Give them wisdom to, and not to listen to the words of the world or to follow the pattern of the world, which is always trying to establish something in their own strength and might and wealth. Help them look solely to you for the answer. Thank you for our friends that are in the process of healing. We really think of the Castor Lines and, and Emily and Abigail and how they need your ever-present help and that Dean just to know your presence, to know that you are guiding and that you're there and that you're near. And Kim to know that she can trust you in all things 
and put this in your hands. So God, just we ask for a strong, strong move of your spirit amongst that family to heal those girls of the Lyme disease and the Bartonella. So God, do something amazing today in their family and all those that have cancer. We think of Chip Lesko and his cancer. And God, we ask for you give us some great news from the doctors how he's winning that battle to use whatever chemo. Anybody that's going through chemo, God, just use it to kill it off. But also, God, supernaturally, we know how you have amazingly saved people supernaturally. Sandy Adams' son who came through COVID and and the doctors all say it's a miracle. He shouldn't be alive. There's no way he should have survived, and yet he did because the prayer of the saints all around, because of your hand, to use them as a testimony. So we pray for that for all of our friends that are sick. And we pray for service tomorrow, that you would be magnified and glorified, and that you bring those that are hurting, you bring those that were contacted in the evangelism team, and that God, you minister to us in the Holy Spirit, you, God, directly. We ask that your word would then give us wisdom tomorrow and show us these things and help us understand the days we live in. We pray for the Skoogs, going through a difficult time in Santa Fe, God, you just Go before them. Be their advocate, God. Be their advocate and and bring forth, God, that which needs to be brought to light. Bring their daughter back. We just thank you for all that's going on there. Thank you for this day, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. So there you go, guys. Enough for today. We will be live tomorrow at our regular time, 9 o'clock for the service, and I will get out a audio podcast for the reading for Manna for Breakfast for tomorrow. So click on Manna for Breakfast tomorrow sometime, and we'll continue the reading together. So we will see you then, okay? Bye-bye. 